Welcome to special edition Super Massive or Vince Lee Super Massive comic book podcast and stuff. I forgot the name. We have Scott Snyder on the line to talk. Hey, man. We're going to talk witches. Yes. So, yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'm Tony. Matt's here. Corey's here. Hey. We're all, yeah. we're all here. So, uh, you know, we, we did the interview already, but, you know, for those who prefer the audio, you're going to you're going to sell. It's, it's kind of silly that you, you need to sell your book. Because you know it's 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 Scott Snyder, it's Jock, it's Image, you know, I, I you know people are going to get it anyways. Oh, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it, dude. And and so we have the review up, five out of five. So I saw him, man. Thanks so much. I retweeted it. Yeah, I it, appreciate that. I uh, I always look to you guys for reviews too, so that well, means a lot. It's it's good. So uh, I guess, I guess why don't you do your pitch like. What is Witches about for those who may have missed every single other, you know, news coverage? Because all the reviews have been great that I've seen on other sites, too. Yeah. Well, it's like Avatar meets – no. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> have like a – it's this meets that elevator pitch. But I've never been – I've never been able to do one of those. You've like, never been reductive for, enough? I, I just – if only – I wish I had that brain. But um, no, I guess for us uh, – uh, what it's about, it focuses on this idea that uh, what if sort of um, all the witches or the people that we've accused of being witches over the years um, and we've thought to be witches, you know, uh, throughout history are just the human worshippers of witches. And witches themselves are actually these very, very elusive creatures that live deep in the woods and sort of no one ever lives to tell about them. They're these primal, bestial, kind of animalistic almost mutations of humanity. They're very, very tall and skeletal. They've got really creepy sorts of features. Uh, and um, they're cannibalistic. And they they have this incredible knowledge of natural science. So they can create these tinctures and mixtures from roots and things like that, different sorts of minerals that can basically cure things that modern medicine can't, can extend your life, can make you smarter, can make you faster. So they're very, very powerful. None of it's magical. It's all sort of science. But what they want is they want they want you to give them someone to eat. So the story really it focuses on, the, on this idea of sort of these very scary, this very sort of ancient evil out in the woods. And if you pledge somebody to them, that's our term for it, pledging. If you sort of pledge someone to them and put this scent on them, the witches will come get that person and give you what you want. So that's sort of – that's kind of the, the engine of the whole story. The story itself, this arc focuses, I mean, on um, – that's the engine of the series. The, this arc focuses on this one family in present day called the, the Rooks family. It's a father who's a graphic novelist, um, Charlie, and uh, his daughter, Sailor, who's 13, and his wife, um, Lucy, who's a nurse. And they move to a, um, a rural uh, New Hampshire town uh, because they are trying to sort of escape a traumatic thing that happened to their daughter back in the town um, that they were living in before, this, this bullying sort of incident that... It got really a bad and ended in a, a, the bully disappearing. And so, of course, the, the daughter uh, sees what happens to the, the bully 
in that scene. I'm trying not to give too much away, but basically the evil from the, the sort of whatever they're trying to run from, the evil kind of follows them to, to where they are now. That's kind of the opening of the story. So that's my that's my that's my elevator pitch. That would be a very long elevator ride. <laughs> but it's a mass effect assuming we were going to like floor two hundred and twenty three, that would have been it. Yeah. Every you know, I every time I go in an elevator I always think of, of Court of Owls and like, you know, like the hidden floor. Cause you know how there's like no 13th floor on, on, yeah. on buildings. So I always envision like that they're really, cause I, I tell that to my daughter and, and Matt's probably seen it. every time I'm in an elevator at a convention. I take every a, single time I take a picture <laughs> of the elevator. Cause she didn't believe me that I was like, buildings don't have 13 floors. And she's like, no, what do you do? Cause you know, she, she's probably envisioning like, like a, a black hole or, you know, something like that. So I always envision like that there really is a 13th floor, but that's like the Court of Owl hidden floor in, in all the Gotham buildings. Thanks, man. I always wanted to live on the third. I was I always wish there was when I was a kid. I was was kind of hoping there'd be a thirteenth floor and I could live on it. But <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of where that came from. Growing up in the city, the kind of fascination with the fact that no building had a thirteenth floor. Yeah. So I for for me, so obviously the the book had it, it's got like heavy levels of creepiness, and um I I think like for me because I have a daughter that's like really close to Sailor's age, so I I can kind of feel like. That that feeling of dread and protectiveness, because you know you 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 know you, your your children are like you're everything, and yeah. you know you want to do everything to protect them. You don't like the idea of something out there, but then the idea of you know something supernatural, obviously, because you know the book is called witches. So there's this other evil out there besides the regular evils of 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 the world. So for me, I'm just like reading this, like it's like ah, uh, you know, just 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 a feeling of it all, and I mean. You and, and Jock and, and Matt, I mean, you guys just nail it all. Like all the emotions just there, just like bubbling. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's really, it's a really personal book in that way. It's very much about, you know, as much as it's a high concept book in the way that I described about these monsters, I mean, the only, the only reason that that resonates with me, you know, it, it's not because it's like, uh, uh, I think a fun idea for reinvention of like a classic monster like witches. It's because, the sort of emotional material that allows you to get that it allows you to get at where essentially the witch's favorite thing, the thing that they value the most are children flesh, you know, the flesh of children, which is, you know, where a lot of the, the mythology around them comes from or the folklore comes from is the idea that the series posits that that's why people associate witches, you know, with, with, you know, Hansel and Gretel, the children eating, children eating hags is because people have given them children above everything else for, um, you know, for reward. Um, so there's a lot about this idea of giving the next generation to these witches, giving, giving your children to them or somebody else pledging your children and children vanishing uh, so that these people can get what they want and you being helpless to kind of save them. So that fear that, it, you know, is engendered by being a parent, that incredible kind of connection you have to your kids where you feel vulnerable for the rest of your life. For as long as they walk the earth, you know, you feel vulnerable to things out there in a way that you didn't before. Um, and that is a huge sort of battery, I think, of, you know, for the books, um, just for the book's whole purpose. It's really... It's really a big exploration, ultimately, of, of that idea. I think, you know, Charlie, he has secrets from his past where he worries about, is am I a good enough father? Have I let my family down? Do, uh, do I, am I a failure because there are moments that I want to just be selfish and live for myself and not my children and not my wife? And those kinds of thoughts that I think all of us have to varying degrees and those kind of, you know, moments are sort of what, 
the witches prey on and wait for wait for you to act on. You know, they're always out there. They don't come for you. They kind of wait in the woods for you to go to them and make them a deal. So, so the whole idea where um, you, you you pledge someone is is there? And I don't know if, if you know this is something you don't want to get into now. If you're getting into it later in the series, but is is there no protection against? being pledged like you just have to like walk around and like i hope no one pledges me today (laughs) no there are protections actually against it and that's part of what um i don't want to give too much away but there's a character in the book who escaped the witches uh as a child and she has been sort of trying to figure out how to stop them or how to sort of shut down their burrows and these things and kill them for a long time, and she she kind of comes into the story a little later. You see you see her in issue one for a moment, but she comes back in bigger ways later on. So there there's kind of ways of using their science against them. You know, there are things. For example, we've tried to I've tried to, and I haven't said this anywhere, but I've tried to, you know, do what I do with American Vampire with um even with Superman, where you do your best to like figure out the pseudoscience of it for yourself. So it sounds realistic, or at least it feels plausible. So the suspension of disbelief is like, as is, is the little, the sort of shortest elastic, you know, uh, this, uh, the shortest sort of elastic distance you, you can make it so that here, like, you know, with Superman, you're always about like his electromagnetic charge and solar charging cells and all of that kind of stuff. And here, I feel like with this, it's about, well, why would they eat human flesh? What's the purpose? And maybe it's in some way that they have this, you know, this resistance to other kinds of proteins that are found in animal fat and animal in animal blood and different sorts of mammals and fish and stuff like that, proteins and acids. So there are ways of bringing them down also, you know, they have weaknesses. That said, they're really big and strong too. They're scary. They're like trees almost. They lean out and get you. So... Um, yeah, you can, you could avoid it. If someone pledged you, I'd tell you how to get out of it too. Okay. <laughs> put you in, I'll put you on speed dial. It's like, <laughs> crow, crow. <laughs> as I'm running down the street as they're chasing me. Uh, well, the scariest thing too, let me just say for a second is that, you know, when you're, they come for you and very, they're the, the two elements that are scary, I think are one, the, the paranoia that comes with wondering if people are out to get you. You know, because the sense of like, did my neighbor pledge me? Did my neighbor set me up? You know, all of that, I think, goes along, goes hand in hand historically with the idea of witch hunts, you know, and witchcraft in a way that's fun, but it's modernized here, done in a way that I think is is different than you've seen it done before. That sense of paranoia of like, who's a witch, you know? Mm -hmm. But secondarily, I think the, the other thing that's scary is when they come for you, they come for you. You know, you see this you see like a very, you know, very, they, they come in through the windows and there's a very, very long white arms, you know, they come in through, through the, through, from under the floorboards. They're really, really creepy. They're these big spidery sort of, you know, humanoid creatures. So I don't want to give away, they have one element to their design that I just find super incredibly unsettling um, that Jock did. So I don't want to give it away till you see them, but it's, um, it's, uh, they're, they're very, uh, I think they're very startlingly scary. Yeah, and and for those that that you know have placed the order, because you know what people need to do is like right away tell your comic store, you know, put it on my my pull list. Because uh, you know, aside from it being you and and Jock, you know, Image Books sometimes they sell out. You know, mm-hmm. people. I think I think a lot of people these days they they take comics for granted, 
And Corey, I don't know if, if you you know how many how many of your customers have pull lists or people just a ra- ton. <laughs> randomly come in. So a lot of times people will just go, oh, here's this book. It's got a lot of buzz. I'm just going to walk in and pick it up where it's like, sorry, it's, yeah. it's sold out. So people need to Yeah, let all that buzz know. meant that they all disappeared from off the shelf because nobody reserved it. So some people were here, you know, early and they got theirs. Yeah, so, so definitely, you know, call your comic store like right now and say, hey, I need that on my pull list. But for Thanks, the, man. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and and they'll thank me too when they read it. Uh, for those that don't want to wait, you guys did a free preview that's available on Comicsology. So what was the idea for that? Because I remember when that first came out, we thought it was like, it's like, oh, this is like an extended preview for the first issue. And then I think Jock actually tweeted to us. He's like, it's like, no, that's a standalone story. So it's like, yeah. What made you guys yeah, like? We're gonna was, give away free. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was that was that was a really it was sort of on a whim a little bit. Like what we decided decided was um. What we decided was basically we were going to do a preview, and then Jock suddenly had a um, suddenly had a um, uh, a um, uh, like a break in his schedule, and so you know he was talking about what can we do to promote it, and I was like, well, why don't, instead of doing a preview because we don't want to give anything away this early, what if we just did like a short standalone story set in the world of the of witches that was really bleak and really grim and gave you kind of a taste of it, and he loved it, so. We put it together pretty quickly, um, you know. So it, it was something that I knew. I knew that story ahead of time because I had thought of maybe doing a case files thing mm-hmm. at the end of the first issue, where you see different at the end of the issues where you see other stories. Then I just thought that would be too much, too much story, and I'd rather just sort of extend the chapter that you get of the Rooks family's uh, drama. So I had that in mind. So it wasn't something that I threw together quickly in terms of the narrative, but I wrote it quickly because I didn't, I knew it. And then I gave it to Jock and we called Matt and Matt had time to do it too. So we put it together relatively fast, but we just had so much fun that we knew the series was going to be a great time from there forward, you know? And I'm really, really happy we did it because it got us warmed up. It was like playing, you know, like kind of jamming before you actually start playing, Mm -hmm. you know, in some way. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But if anyone wants to check out sort of the nature of the, the series, the sort of level of dark that it is, because I would say this one thing that like, you know, a lot of people, I think that read my stuff on Batman or read it on Superman or even American Vampire, they might not have read Severed or the Black Mirror, or the, some of the stuff that's darker that I, I've done, but, you know, or even Swamp Thing, I guess. But I'm, I've always been very, very attracted to horror. I try and do, you know, elements of horror in, in pretty much everything. And this is sort of the really the blackest, uh, most exploratory kind of horror for me emotionally and psychologically that that I can do. That's the challenge of this series. It's it's going like very very different direction than the wake or something like that, which is much more exuberant and much more sort of um, much more colorful and adventurous. This is this is sort of claustrophobically dark, intimate and and brutal. So both as a warning, I guess, and as a kind of, you know, invitation to come read the book, I would just say that ahead of time, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to be misled before they pick it up and think that it's going to be something it isn't, but it's, I'm very, very proud of how dark it is in that regard. Yeah. It's, it's dark in a personal way. It's not dark for the sake of being dark or shocking. I think you'll see that pretty quickly. I'm, I'm confident that it doesn't feel sensational exactly in any way that's like grotesque or whatever. But that said, it's definitely... It's it's psychologically and emotionally, you know, as dark as you can go. Matt, did you want to say something? No. Um, oh. Why? Oh, Was I, I supposed I, to say something I, at this I, point, I, Tony? I, it sounded like you were about to say something, but 
No, I've had my mic muted the entire time. Oh, okay. I'm, wor- I'm working, man. Okay. Got to work it up. Um, yeah. So that just like what you're saying, Scott, about the just the, the mood of it. I mean, it, it it it's almost like a like a punch in the gut where you just feel this dread and it's like not not that you're like nauseous or sick, but you just feel this this. And, and and I don't want to like scare people away from the book, but exactly like you said, it's it's not like grotesque, like over the top, like graphic, like or sensational. Like let's let's see how outrageous we can get. You just get this feeling of dread because the opening pages in in issue one, where it's like right when you know one thing happens, you're just like, oh my goodness, and it's <laughs> it's it's weird because it, it's it's not really you know you see worse things you know graphic wise on you know primetime television. But but just uh, what what that means, it's just like oh man. Yeah, well, I mean that was that was that was part of the idea of that. There's like a teaser for anyone that hasn't seen it yet. Like I guess a lot of people you haven't seen it because it's not out. But we sent out sort of an early preview uh, of the or sent an early preview copy of the first issue, a low res copy to a lot of people that were um, you know that we we really trust and like. But the the it opens with a. Um, a, like a scene with a different family in the past. And, um, you know, it, it, sh- we wanted, what I wanted to do was in three pages, give you the level of brutality and a sort of emotional, um, the em- emotional darkness that the series was going to go past, but at least this would approximate the kind of middle level of it, <laughs> you know, and be like, here, this is, this is how, this is the nature of it. This is kind of like the average darkness of the series. So yeah, it was, it, it definitely opens, it opens harsh, but you know, that's, that's, that's what I mean. I just, I don't think anything in it is gratuitous. I'm really proud of that mm-hmm. fact, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, how do you feel about like supernatural stuff? You know, cause some people are like, they, you know, they believe, you know, in ghosts or spirits or whatever. Some people are like, no, they don't like, how do you, I mean, I don't know if you've ever talked about that. Like, like your, your personal, yeah, I haven't. No, I'm, I want to believe badly. I mean, here's here's the thing. I'm so attracted to those elements. Like, I I feel like almost everything I write is about finding things buried either in history or in different unknown or un, unexplored corners physically of the world where some impossible thing actually exists, you know, like a supernatural element or something in the, from, you know, beyond. And I think, I guess my philosophy is not to get, like, too on the couch or corny, <laughs> is, you know, I like to... I, I, your, I think my instinct is to, subjectively is to take things at face value, and I think there's like a definitely a desire to just say the world is mechanics and it's what you know and it's science. And when you die, there's nothing. It's just you end and then come back as other things. Your energy that's dispersed into the universe. But then you have kids, and you see how little they understand about the world or how dumb they are. <laughs> Not to be like a dick, but I mean, I'm talking about when they're like two and when they're three. Or and and they there's like for example there's no way the human mind at that age can possibly understand math you know at two or there's no way that that mind can understand you know uh, global politics you know there's just nothing it it can it is physically incapable of that expansiveness do you know what I mean yeah and you think of all the animals in the world like I think then I sort of think of like my cat you know your cat my cat cannot understand you know. You cannot understand the physics of gravity or something. There's just no way that that's possible or language. And what I like to think, I guess, in some way after having kids and seeing that, it really was like a come to God moment when my my son was a baby, my first son, was sort of like, well, 
when you see the human mind so incapable of comprehending certain things that seem like basic truths to you, and then you realize that everything in the animal kingdom that you kind of look down at in some way is incapable of understanding things that you take, again, for these very simplistic elements of your everyday life, what crazy kind of hubris is it to think that you could possibly understand the bigger picture of things and what lies beyond death or or what the greater design of the universe is in some way. And that, to me, extends to the idea that we understand that design as something that's, you know, circumscribed by any particular religion or that is circumscribed by an atheistic belief that it's mechanical science. So, as again, not to get too <laughs> personal or too, you know, <laughs> too, like, you know, uh, out there, but if you're asking like what my, my personal kind of compass is when it comes to, do I believe in life after death or those kinds of things or the sort of existence of the supernatural, I guess I do, but not in specific ways. I like to think that whatever is out there beyond almost like, a you know, I always liked Lovecraft and that idea that whatever is out there is beyond our understanding and it might be terrifying and drive you insane to see, or it might be beautiful and wondrous, but there's no way of sort of actually wrapping your mind around it, I guess, is the way I like to think about it. So you sort of give yourself up to the idea that whatever it is, I am incapable of understanding it. And there's a comfort in that. And that's subjective. It's not, it's just the way I see it. It is not like this is what other people should think, or it's not shitting on anything anybody else believes at all. It's just, I, you know, I have complete respect for all of those things. It's just, that's my way of getting through life for me, you know, or, or not being quite as afraid of death and your own mortality. And, you know, the, the things that seem to indicate that it's just what it seems to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty deep too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cause, cause like the, the other question I was going to ask, like if, you know, you think, you know, if you're open to the possibility of things, what if like what you're doing with witches is really true? And then all of a sudden these, these dark evil you know, forces are like, Hey, he's starting to expose us. And then it's like a uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare. <laughs> right. I was just thinking of that dude, yeah. the other day. It was so fun. I, I know that sounds crazy. I was like literally just thinking of that movie. I don't know. I don't know why it was like somebody, cause I think it was that, Somebody had mentioned bringing back a character, and I remember trying to make the analogy where I was like, that's like doing Jason versus Freddy, like, so many years <laughs> after. And then I, for some reason, I thought of that movie as, like, one of the weirdest explorations of a horror movie villain, like, yeah. where he's suddenly the demon and he comes to life because he exists beyond Wes Craven's own imagination mm-hmm. and all that stuff. That's actually a very Lovecraftian notion, that, like, this demon very subtly caused Wes Craven to create him. It is. Well, that... <laughs> The thing I love about because Lovecraft is really hard to read. I mean, I love mm-hmm. I I went to school in Providence, and his his you know he's his his uh, he's buried there. It's like the I was I was very into Lovecraft and Poe. I lo- I love Gothic and all like you know all the kind of crazy early American horror. But for me, um, the thing that I love about it is the sense of humility as crazy as that sounds where it feels like whatever bizarre system exists beyond the necromicon and all necro necronomicon or however you pronounce it i've never <laughs> been able to pronounce it even though i'm like a big fan the, the those things will drive you crazy to even begin to comprehend you know you get a peak and it it's madness there's something there's something almost kind of there's something attractive to me in the truth of that horror that, that because it's it's humble you know you see you understand that 
what's really scary is the unknown and things, the, the fact that something could be so incomprehensible that it would drive you mad. It's, there's something very potent in that it, to me, you know, that sense of, because it's the flip side of the, the wonder aspect of it, you know, thinking that like the world and the human body, everything that, you know, that you, you look at and think you take for granted when you look at the wonder of it, it's, it's impossible. It's like, uh, not again, like now I feel like I'm supposed to be, I go by witches. You know? <laughs> but what I would say, like my wife, she's a doctor, right? And she does, she does surgery on people. And I'm always like, how do you come home from that and not just see the body, like see all of us as like walking meat, <laughs> you know what I mean? And bone and gristle and all of that. And she's always like, well, you know, the closer you, the more you understand about the human body or the more that you, you look, the more mysterious it is in some ways, you know, like there's still, there's still this element of wonder that it actually works or what actually inspires life in that regard. And that sense of the universe kind of rewarding curiosity or that the more you look at stuff that you would think that, that you would think that peeling back the layers or learning sort of what we know of these things would sort of demystify them or make them prosaic instead makes them more wondrous or makes you gives you a greater respect for them. I can understand that at least through literature, you know, and, and it, I feel like it's a, it's a good system of belief. Like when I have a comic or a story that I really love, people think taking it apart or looking at the mechanics of it somehow would, would, would dismantle the wonder of it or dismantle the feeling or the emotional sort of response to it. But it's the opposite. There's still something magical as hokey as that sounds in a great movie or a great episode of television or a great story or comic, even if you understand how they did it, there's still something unknowable about how it all comes together and has this kind of wonderful effect. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was a, someone, someone briefly described why you, why it's so hard to make a good Lovecraft movie as because everyone wants to see the monster, but the monster doesn't matter in as much as what the monster means. And they described it as, it's like finding someone else's underwear in your bed. It's not the underwear itself. It's what it represents. And they said, when you find that, it means your spouse doesn't love you. When you find one of these Lovecraftian creatures, it means God doesn't love you. Yeah. No, no ex- dude, that's ex- exactly. And that's the, you know, even if you have trouble with the writing itself, that, that idea that there's, that what's scary is that everything we understand or think we understand about the world is just a, a, min, a minute fraction of, of what actually is happening, you know, behind the curtain. That's scary. So that's why it's hard for me sometimes to get into stories that posit sort of the existence of something really knowably, like knowably uh, supernatural. You know, for me, with American Vampire, the fun is to try and draw the mythology bigger and bigger and bigger behind the scenes so that it becomes something that dates back and has enough branches that it feels almost untrackable. Or with witches, we never reveal the origin of witches or what they, they're very, very alien. They're almost like this dark, this dark sort of reflection of us out there, but you don't really understand what their origin or their nature is, you know, and that sense of trying to keep something from being completely understandable all the time, I think is part of what lets it be horrific, but also kind of, stay plausible, you know, for me at least as a, as a supernatural element, you know, I always hate the explanations the most. Yeah. yeah sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. Oh, totally. Yeah. Now, uh, so you, you, you spent some times in the woods of Pennsylvania, which gave you some inspiration 
And so we talked about it uh, in the interview that we did, how you went back there. Do you, do you plan on, on, you know, taking more trips out there? We're going there tomorrow, actually. <laughs> now, are, are you going to... family, yeah, my family, um, they've had that house since I was about five or six. And there's, there's this very uh, thick sort of stretch of woods uh, down the road from the house. I'll take, I'll take pictures if you want to send them to you, but they... Yeah. Um, it's right outside this town, Milford in Pennsylvania by the foot of the Poconos. And, um, and, uh, that used to actually be back in the thirties. My father told me this. I didn't even know was a, um, there used to be like a, a smuggling operation, like a bootlegging operation not far away. So the thing I found not long ago, I found a, um, we, I mean, as a kid, I mean, we found a, um, a car out in the woods. I told you about this. Me yeah. and my friend used to go exploring and make up all these stories about satanic families and witches. <laughs> and we found this car from the forties out there, this meat truck car, which I took pictures of and posted on Twitter. So mm-hmm. it's even worse that it's like a meat packing car. Right. But, um, my father was like, Oh yeah, there used to be like a bootleggers airstrip out there. And now I'm like super fascinated and want to go back again. <laughs> And like, look even farther than I ever did as a kid, and be like, "Where is this? You where is this bootleggers airstrip? You know what I mean? Because I've never, I've never heard of this thing. So um, I don't know. I was happy to go and find that the car and our little area that we used to explore was relatively undisturbed. Still, there were some soda cans and stuff around the car, but they were all like tab and stuff. I think I told you yeah. from like 1990s. So it was like it seemed like nobody had been there in a while. So that made me happy. Now, do you ever like go out during the evening when it's dark? No, I have never done that. I, I actually have like a deep fear of the woods, honestly, the woods and the ocean. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure many things in between, but the, I, you know, being a city kid and not growing up around trees or anything like that, like the woods are very frightening to me that, cause if I was, if I was a crazy person, do you know what I mean? Like a serial killer or whatever, <laughs> why not? You know what I mean? Like they're, there nobody will ever find you out there i don't know i just i'm very i really i do i have like i have a that primal fear of like the the forest and maybe it's from fairy tales that sense of discovering things out there i mean you know it, i don't know it's very interesting to be like how easy it is and I, this was in severed also but it's still pretty easy to like walk off the road and get lost. You know, even though we think that everything is, everything is so mapped and surveilled and all of that stuff. And, but like, not just in certain parts of the country, you know, when you go to the Southwest or whatever, where huge swaths of territory are just totally outback, you know, outback or unknown. But even here, like in this place in Pennsylvania, when I went and took pictures of this car, there was no cell service. There was nothing. As soon as I got past the school and wa- started walking back, and those things go for miles, you know, miles and miles, and mm-hmm. there's no path. There's just it's interesting, just how I don't know to me, like how 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 creepily and wonderfully sort of unexplored or untouched a lot of the country still is in that regard. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Yeah, but maybe you should go at night to get more inspiration. I mean, you're you and you're, me. you're you're writing scary stuff, but. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd go with you. You should do. Yeah, like, you come with. Me, we'll have like a thing. We'll get like a tent. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll get. Be good. We we'll do do like a, like a Blair Witch thing. We'll, we'll we'll get the night night vision cameras yes, or whatever. It'll be like the the up cam, and I'll have like the the thing, and be like, Comic Vine. Tony's gone. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, yeah. So so if we die, it'll be a Comic Vine exclusive, like post mortem. <laughs> I was going to say, I like how you, you're you like, yeah, if I was a serial killer, I'd totally go out in the woods. Anyway, Tony, you want to come out in the woods with me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Right. All right. Exactly. So I know you're like just about out of time. 
That's all right. Let's go until yeah. Let's well. Let's keep going until I have to go. I have uh, I have to go I, sometime soon. I'll probably get a call from my wife. Meeting. I have to. I have to go meet meet. Uh, uh, do some family stuff, but until that comes, we can keep talking. Okay. So I, I was wondering. I mean, if there's anything else you want to add to witches, and the to kind of take a little little if you anything you want to tease about Batman. Yeah, man. Let's tease Batman for a minute. Why not? Right. So we have Endgame, and you've which people. I mean, obviously, if they're not following you on Twitter, they should because you've you've put out a couple images. Just like- and nobody knows what. And that's the funniest thing with Endgame. I'm just gonna say, it really is. Um, it is like one of our craziest stories. Um, we just didn't want to say what it is to anybody because we felt like every single time. We've done a big arc. I've gone out there and been like, this is the craziest arc we've done, you know, and that and, it, and I feel pretty confident that I've been honest about that stuff. I don't feel like I've ever been um, I've ever been, you know, uh, uh, selling, you know, snake oil or whatever. Yeah. I really believe like think if you think about like the arcs that we've done, we've been pretty truthful about what we're doing. But we thought this time it would be better to just let you find out with Bruce Wayne, like what the story is and what happens but it's got the craziest effing cast you could imagine where you're going to see heroes you've never seen in Batman from page one or from really from issue one. And you're going to see basically everybody you'd like to see in a 75th anniversary celebration of Batman will be in this story because this is our 75th blockbuster. So, you know, don't don't be fooled. Like we wanted to keep the curtain closed and the, the covers, for example, that you've seen so far, those are all just fake covers. They're yeah. just closed curtain covers. They're just designs. Greg has done six covers. It's a six-issue story. That he's done six covers that reveal the true nature of the story and the scope of it and all of that stuff. So, you know, it really is one of our our craziest and biggest things. We just we thought it would be fun this time not to market it and shill it to you guys, and instead let you discover it along with Bruce Wayne how nefarious the story is in some ways. So, I hope it works. I don't know. I mean, it was an argument with DC, like to talk off the cuff. I mean, because. You know, and I totally understand. They they really felt like this is how crazy the story gets, and how big, and how many characters, and this is these are the villains, and you're using you know big figures in it. Why don't you just say this is where it's headed, and this is what it encompasses? And we just felt like why not just surprise people this time? Yeah. Um, and they were very very sweet to us about letting us do that. So, but I would just say as we get closer and closer, we've kind of we've been able to keep keep the curtain closed on the story for a long time. And I would just caution people that it is, it is very big, like expect some big surprises and, you know, over the top bombast and revelations in issue 35 on October 8th when it starts. <laughs> See, that, that's a great thing. Um, I mean, bravo to DC for saying, yeah, we're not gonna. And, and you know, cause you, you, people have to understand that the way the market works, you know, we we stores need all information. Consumers need all information. They need to know why they should get it. And so it, it's great that that you know, like like Death of Damien. You know, they had to put that out there. They had to spoil it to get people to buy that book. You know, they're a business. They need people to do that. So it's it's great that we have no idea what, what's what's coming up. And and you know, DC's like, okay, let's just do this. Well, that that's that, yeah. That I really am very grateful to them for that because. You know, yeah, if you're out there listening to this, like the way it works is 
we could go out there and drum up a lot of excitement around it and say, guess who's in this? Guess who he fights in the first issue? Guess who comes in in the second issue? Guess what happens to Gotham in the third issue, in the second issue, really? Something crazy happens to Gotham. But all of that stuff, like, we we could go out there and be promoting it the way we normally do. And I think, you know, DC is like, you're leaving, they they understand, like, we might be leaving thousands of copies, you know, on the on the on the shelves by not doing that but Greg and I really tried to make a an effort I think we try to make an effort on the book to to shake things up and do things differently than we have arc to arc so if zero year is like a big over the top colorful bright arc this one is going to start off and go very dark you know and you know the way black mirror is different than than Court of Owls, where Court of Owls is more of a superhero story, Black Mirror is more of a detective story. We're trying always to zigzag and keep you guys excited and keep, even above that, no offense, but more than even and more importantly than keeping you guys excited, keeping ourselves excited on the book. So for us, Batman is, we're in, this is my fifth year on Batman going in. I mean, I started in 2010 writing, you know, Detective um, months ahead of when it actually came out. So I could not be more excited for this year of Batman. I know it's our most daring year so far. It's just that, you know, making those kinds of um, pivots where you're like, I'm going to go this way and then I'm going to try something very different. For me, at least as a writer, that's key. Because I'll be honest, like it wouldn't be, it would be very easy for those of you guys out there that say, why don't we just do one shots and, and stories we're gonna do we're gonna do more small detective cases after this big story that we're doing now in game, but the thing is like that stuff like to just say what why don't it wouldn't be hard to do like a two issue story about the penguin and then a one issue story about Mister Freeze and then a two issue story about you know uh, Killer Croc or that kind of stuff and have Alfred and Batman and all that you know um, like as the cast, but my concern is constantly trying to challenge myself as as hokey as it sounds i swear i'm i'm being this is it's the truth i really feel like you get one chance to write this character in your life and if you do anything that doesn't feel like a challenge to you on it you might as well let somebody else do it so yeah i i do want to do that stuff and i do want to get to it you know and and do that stuff in a way that's challenging so with a different status quo and a different cast not to be spoilery but part of what Endgame is about is changing the mythology in a way that will allow us to do small stories, but with a different spin on them in a way that I think will make them a little, a little, a little modern and odd, you know, and exciting given the way they could just be done with, you know, Alfred and Batman and, and, and as you know, Bruce and the cave and the Batmobile and the classic villains. So that's part of our mission on the book, honestly, is to just, make sure that we're challenging ourselves constantly and trying to stay exciting to us. And hopefully that means staying exciting to you guys too, you know? So Endgame is very much about that. That's, it's very much the purpose of it. Yeah. And I, I, I again, I, I think it's great that it's, it's not out there everywhere, like what it's going to be about. Cause usually, you know, the three month solicit, you know, you know, what's coming up and, and these days, even, even if the, the solicits kind of dance around, it's like, you know, you have a good idea what's going to happen or like you said, when you see the covers. So uh, it's, it's just amazing that the way the market works these days that you guys have managed to keep all that, that like nothing slipped out. 
So I'm surprised. I'm really, I'm really happy and surprised that nothing has slipped out about the story, you know, but we're basically there now, like, because the story was conceived and written and drawn and the beginnings of it, you know, months and months and months ago. So it's one that Greg and I have planned to do for a while for the 75th. So for us, it really became, um, uh, it really became something that, you know, we knew was coming, but it was just, you know, we, once I pitched it and we got it out there and it got approved, I was very worried that it would get spoiled if we decided to do it this way, but it hasn't. So I feel like we're there. We're basically, if, if for some reason it got spoiled or things came out about it soon, it wouldn't be quite as hurtful because we've made it close enough that I feel good about it, but I still hope it stays the nature of the story and the cast of the story and what it's about and how it ends and all that stuff stays stays quiet because I think fans enjoy it the most that way. You know, just for them. That's all. Yeah, because that's like uh, three weeks away. So did they both, both Witches and, and 35 come out in the same day? I know, right? It's crazy. But they rep- they're very different from one another. So I really – I hope people enjoy both. But they're like probably 180 degrees from one another. Like Witches is really, really uh, – dark and intimate and um and you know uh sort of cruelly uh small you know in some ways and narrow with this family and 35 is probably the most expansive issue we've ever done where it's like the biggest cast the craziest stuff happening in one issue i mean where you see a crazy future vision of batman all kinds of stuff happen in that issue that you're like whoa, this is all over the place, you know? So they're very different muscles being, you know, you flex for those, and it's fun. I'm I'm happy to have both coming out on the same day in that regard, you know? You feel like a proud parent of, like, two completely opposite children. <laughs> and hopefully some parent does this, like, oh, this is written by Scott Snyder, too. Here you go, Timmy, read Witches. Yeah, yeah, right? It doesn't mix them up. <laughs> so, yeah, and then in, in, uh, it's also, uh, you'll get to see reaction pretty much right away because it's, like, right before New York Comic Con. Yeah, that's right. If anyone hates it, they can come up and like smack me in the head or whatever near Comic Con. So oh, they shouldn't do that. That's always uh, it's always fun to to have that, you know, right after a big thing. Last year or last two years ago, we had it right around uh, Joker, and then last year we were basically just finishing up the first arc because it was yeah July, August, September, October. We were just finishing up the first arc of Zero Year with that big 24 issue that I'm mm-hmm. really happy with. So it's been a good – we've had good timing with, with New York. I'm really – I like going to New York for that. Maybe you should do a, a, witchings, a witches signing in, like out in the woods. Yeah, or, or at Midtown or at Forbidden Blood <laughs> 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 would be good too, I think. Because it's for Halloween or whatever. But it could be out in the woods. <laughs> yeah. So, so people need to make sure to pick up both. And because um, is is the FOC for for Batman the same? Yeah, they're both they're both Monday. Okay, Monday is FOC of this week. I mean, of this coming week, Monday the fifteenth. So, yeah, if you uh, the only th- the th- that's the only thing I would caution you about is that both of them are are in danger of selling out in that way. As hokey as that sounds, I'm, I promise I'm not trying to PT Barnum you guys <laughs> and be like you know get them because they'd be gone, going out of business for the tenth time. You know, it's not like that at all. It's uh, Endgame is marketed smaller than it is because we wanted to surprise people, so it, it it might it might actually sell out. So just order it if you if you're up if you're looking to get Batman thirty five and which is obviously as an indie book, you know. And at Image, I think a lot of the books, um, 
there's such a support and and excitement about image books right now that those books do tend to sell out. So again, I would just order it by Monday if you want, because otherwise you're stuck waiting five weeks for it to come back in. And you got a bunch of variants for witches? Yeah, we got a bunch of variants. I'm really excited about that. Actually, we got Bill Sienkiewicz, which, you know, totally blew my mind. Um, And uh, we got uh, Becky Cloonan, who, again, I'm super excited about. And, uh, and uh, uh, Francesco Francavilla, obviously, like, good friend and, you know, a total superhero. Uh, Sean Murphy, again, so... Like we have a very, we're really, we feel like incredibly, incredibly lucky. And there actually, there's one more. We're actually going to do uh, Dustin Gwynn as well. So I'm really, really, really happy with uh, happy with that. So and, and Cliff Chang. And Cliff Chang. Oh, sorry, dude. I thought you guys right. Of course, yeah, Cliff Chang. Sorry, weird. Cliff. I love you. <laughs> um, Cliff was actually the first person to agree to do one, and um, you know, one of the first people we we approached. So his is great too. I love Cliff to death, and. Again, he's, you know, I feel really grateful and honored and lucky that he's doing one. So, yeah, so we're really lucky on the book. And they're, um, you know, I think they're, they're um, allotted to different places. The uh, New York Comic Con is going to have an exclusive one. And um, Midtown Comics and uh, CBLDF, you know, for Comic Book Defense, uh, Final Book League Defense Fund. And, um, and also... We're doing one. I wanted to do one for my LCS, so my LCS Fourth World is going to have one of them as well. So, you know, I would happily do a bunch of stores, but the this store I've been going to this store since for years before I was in comics back when I was doing pros. Um, they've been my shop, and it's a mom and pop shop, and I'm really good friends with the family that runs it. And uh, you know, uh, so it's I know it's weird to have like five really big variants for you know massive stores and kind of organizations and then have one that's for a kind of a mom and pop shop but it's my shop so i hope you'll pick it up too yeah that sounds cool are they they gonna like sell it online at all or yeah they'll they're gonna they're gonna order it and then you can buy it through them you know you can just call the store they have a site too it's just like for like the let the number four fourth world comics out here in long island and uh in um smithtown so I'm sure you can order it. They never that I always bug them. I'm like I sign stuff in that store all the time, just stocks so they have it, mm-hmm. and they never mark it up. They always just sell it for cover price, and I'm like, you guys just sell it, sell it for more, so you guys can have some, you know, extra. And they're like, no, that's not what we do. So I'm sure if you bought, they'd sell it to you. You know, they're not out to. They're almost too. They're too. They're too honest and generous and with their fans. They're great with their customers. They're a really great shop. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, man. It's just great talking to you guys. Yeah. I'd love to do it again sometime soon. Sorry, when I'm, I like, I feel like I went on my whole, you know, like this is what I think about God and life. No, that's interesting. <laughs> like, when but... I was like supposed to be like, and an issue too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you don't want to spoil everything, and and you know, like I, I was just thinking, it's like I don't know if you've ever talked about it, if anyone's ever asked you about that, and. No, you know, you, I don't know if I've ever like explained. No, I don't think I. Because yeah, you know, you, you you dip into all these different you know wells, and so it's just like you know, it's like, like interesting to to hear that. No, I appreciate it, Tony. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we'll definitely we'll talk at at New York Comic Con. Well, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, and everyone pick up witches, pick up Batman, and it's it's weird that that's all you have right now, right? Well, yeah, we have the the oh, last issue American... of Superman will be coming out too yeah. in uh, 
the end of October. We're really happy with that too. I think right October, October, either October or November. I don't remember when it's slated for, but it's Jim is halfway through it right now. It's long. It's like thirty plus pages. The issue. Cool. I'm really happy with that and American Vampire as well. Yeah. Like American. One thing I would say super quick. I really apologize to anybody that's an AV fan for the delay. It's totally my fault. What happened was we decided to do issue five as a half prose issue because I was like. Oh, it's a, it'll be really fun. It'll be like, you know, half the issue will be this guy's journal that um that that they're following to figure out a uh, you know, a mystery from the past and half the issue will be conventional. So, like I'll get to write prose for half the issue as though it's this old miners journal from the gold rush. And I was all excited about this and then I started writing prose and it's really <laughs> I love it, but it's like really meticulous, you know, and like painstaking and I totally underestimated the amount of time it would take, and um, it wound up just taking me a lot much longer. It's like a five thousand word story. Wow! In the day, it's long. It's like a full short story, you know, written in the pages in tiny font. So, I totally apologize for the delay. And again, it's it was on me. I just i I thought it would be a lot of fun, and and it was fun. And I honestly think it's one of our strongest issues. So I'm really happy with it. It just it caused me. A lot more. It just took a lot more time than I expected it to, and it was totally my my doing. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of time, we should let you get going. Okay. So, so thanks for talking to us. And no, always, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks again for having me. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So everyone, check that stuff out. All right. So that was Scott Snyder. Um, just, I'm, I'm sure Corey, you've you've ordered a couple issues of that. Oh yeah, one or two, you know, just just enough. Yeah, so so definitely check that because the thing is, you know, it, it it's Scott Snyder, it, it's Jock, it's you know, I I hope people know, but it, it, again, it's that idea where people may say, I'll just walk in a store and pick it up. So yeah. it's and image books are selling out regardless. So you need to make sure that you you get that. Yeah, an image book with a proven creative team is definitely going to sell like crazy off of shelves. Yeah, and even Batman thirty five because I mean, again, it's it's so crazy. That we have no idea what what the big hook is of you know Endgame was like what the heck does that mean and mm-hmm. so I could see I mean I don't know about how you just, you said you don't do the ordering but I could see stores just like just we'll just do our same orders and or yeah. you know or, or maybe even be cautious like well since we don't know you know maybe we'll we'll cut you know whatever so so definitely check those out all right so thanks for listening um, again FOC is today Monday September fifteenth today's the fifteenth right. Yeah. Yes. 15, 12, <laughs> as you're listening to this, so that is the FOC. Um, and even if if you listen to this, you know, after the fifteenth, still let your comic store know because you know they probably ordered X amount, but then maybe they can get one of those that so, they ordered. Sometimes for you can you. creep in. The FOC is the just the last guaranteed date. Yeah, uh, that you can order stuff, but usually you can still get something past. Yeah, there. and if a store orders fifty copies, you know right. they may not have fifty people on their pull list. Like maybe they have forty that ask for that. So it'll have some extra that they want to put on, on, you know, on the shelves. So if, if you did not order it ahead of time, you want to make sure you get on that. Otherwise you'll have to wait till second printing. And, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes that's like, like the next month and then, then you'll wander onto Twitter and someone will have spoiled it. Yeah. Everyone talking about this is so cool. And you'll be, be sad. So, all right. So thanks for listening and we'll do this again. So, so my question, my is, question is, is, could it be? We don't, we don't know. And I would like to ask like you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the question. I'll oh, shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, I, I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate.
Hey, this is you. 